Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. We read in Psalm chapter 37 and verse 4 that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then He will give us the desires of our hearts. But what if we are doing our very best to live in God's will, to live daily, wholeheartedly for Him, and then He does not respond in the way that we have asked? Is He listening? Is He even there? If you can, please open your Bible to Job chapter 13, as John helps us understand what we are to do when God doesn't do what we ask Him to do. Here's what I know today. In your life, perhaps, some of you have prayed for a loved one to be healed, and instead of being healed, they died. And you have said to God, now God, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? Others here today, you have prayed for a relationship to be restored, and it hasn't happened. And you wonder, God, why didn't the relationship get restored? I ask you for that. Some of you may have prayed for promotion at work. And not only did you not get the promotion, but instead you lost your job. And so many times in life we pray and we say, God, I'm putting this in your hands. I know you can make it right. I know you can do what needs to be done. I'm asking you to do this. And yet all of us would have to agree there have been times in our lives when God didn't do what we ask Him to do. Now, what I want to do at the beginning of this message this morning, I want to give you the clearest answer that I can give you. In three words, I can tell you why God doesn't always do what we ask Him to do. You ready for it? Say amen. You ready for these three words? Hear the three words, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why sometimes people die. I don't know why relationships don't always work out. I don't know why a lot of things happen in life. And that leads me to this verse. We're all familiar with it. Proverbs chapter 3 and in verse number 5. Let's just read that verse together. Let's say it. Trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding. So the Bible is saying in life, When things don't happen like you wish they would, when God doesn't do the specific thing that you have asked Him to do, here's what you've got to do. You've got to trust God with all of your heart. So we don't know why these things happen, but there's something we do know. One of these days, when we see, we're just singing about when we see Jesus face to face, one of these days we're going to know why God didn't do all the things we asked Him to do. Look at this verse out of Corinthians. Paul is talking here, and he said, Now, talking about in this life, I know in part, but then, talking about when He gets to heaven, He said, I shall know just as I am also known. So right now, God knows us perfectly. God has perfect knowledge of us. He understands us completely. Paul said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have that understanding. I'm going to have that knowledge of everything that has happened in my life, why sometimes God did not do what I asked him to do. So that said, think about this. The real question is not, why doesn't God always do what we ask him to do? That's a good question, but we don't know the answer to that. The real question is this. What are we supposed to do? when God doesn't do what we ask Him to do. 
I mean, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to go our whole life trying to figure that out? Are we supposed to spend our whole lives blaming God? Are we supposed to become bitter and angry and lose our faith and, and lose our peace? Is that the response? No, indeed. So open your Bible this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and this is what we're thinking about today. What do we do when God doesn't do what we have asked Him to do? Because as we go through life, there are going to be times where we are confronted with this dilemma. Now, before we get to the passage in 2 Corinthians 12, I want to show you a verse from the life of Job. You talk about a man who undoubtedly, the Bible says Job was a godly man. He, he feared God. He shunned evil. Job was a, was, a, was a righteous man. And as a righteous man, he would have prayed over his family. He would have prayed over his work. He would have prayed about his own health. He would have prayed about all these things. And yet we know that in one day, Job lost all 10 of his kids. They all died on the same day. They were killed. We also know that Job lost his livelihood. He lost his finances. He lost his health. And if that's not bad enough, he lost his reputation within the community because there were many who looked at Job's situation and said, he, there's got to be some sin in his life. There's no way that this could have happened. This is the judgment of God on him because he sinned. And so all of that was against Job. And in Job chapter 13, this is one of the greatest verses in all the Old Testament. Notice what Job said. He said, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. So Job said he got to a point in his life where he said, if God chooses to strike me dead, whether with a lightning bolt or some other way, if God chooses to strike me dead on my way to the ground, I'm going down saying that I'm trusting him. Now, that's phenomenal faith. That is a faith that says we're going to trust God no matter what. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look in verse number 7. Here's Paul. Paul had a problem in his life. We'll read about it called a thorn in the flesh. Nobody really knows what that was. Some people think it was bad eyesight. That's what I think his problem was. Because in Galatians, he talks about his bad eyesight. Somebody says, no, it wasn't a physical problem. Job's pro or Paul's problem, rather, was all the enemies and adversaries that he had in his life. As Paul was trying to serve the Lord, there were people who were trying to discourage him, people who were trying to silence him, people who were trying to kill him. And they say that's his thorn in the flesh. But in verse 7, we read about it. And Paul said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. So whatever it was, a problem came into Paul's life. A messenger of Satan. And so Satan played some role in this problem. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And so what do we do when we have a problem in our life? We pray about it, and we ask God to change the problem. And how long do we pray? We pray until either God does what we're asking Him to do or until God says, no, I'm not going to do it. And in Job's case, in Paul's case, he prayed three times, but he didn't pray the fourth time because in verse 9, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Now, look, look at this next sentence. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. 
And so Paul, as he considered this thorn, and he knew that Satan was somehow involved in that, Paul also knew that Satan was not sovereign over his life. Satan wasn't calling all the shots in his life, that God is sovereign. And, and Paul knew that anything that came into his life had to come through the fingers of God. And if it ever touched Paul, he knew that it would be good for him one way or the other in the end. And so he got to a point where he said, this thorn, this problem, this situation that I asked God to fix that didn't get changed has now worked for my advantage because it has taught me to trust God in a deeper way. And it has taught me that my strength doesn't come from me, that my strength comes from God. Now, I want to mention four things today that we should all do when God doesn't do what we ask Him to do. This could be a very helpful message today for those of you who are saying, yes, John, this is where I am. God didn't do what I asked Him to do. And I just, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what to do in my life. Well, I'm going to tell you what to do. Number one, keep trusting God. He still has a plan. And that's what Job came to when he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And that's what Paul came to when he said, when I'm weak, that I'm strong. God's grace is sufficient for me. And so we keep trusting him. You know, it's so easy when God doesn't do what we ask him to do, to lose our faith and to say, God, I don't understand this. I, I, I know you have the power to heal this cancer. I know you have the power to put this back together. I know you have the strength to do what I'm asking you to do. And God, you're not doing it, and I don't understand that. Well, sometimes we don't understand it. And as I've already said, we don't always know the reason for that. But we do know this. It is always right to trust God. What is faith? Faith is trusting God with those things we don't understand. I mean, sometimes it's, it's easy to understand what's happening in life. Everything's good. But sometimes things are hard and they're bad. And in those times, we have to keep trusting the Lord. A second thing I would say is this. Not only should we keep trusting the Lord, but keep loving the Lord. You know, we trust the Lord because He has a plan. We keep loving the Lord because He is still good. Now, all of us here today believe that God has power to heal every disease to fix every problem. We know He has power. And I think one of the things that gets us sometimes, we think, well, God, if you have the power to do it and you chose not to do it, then that must mean that you're not good. And the devil can put that thought in our minds. But friend, that's not true. God is always good. And what God is wanting us to do is to love Him even when things don't go our way. And even when we don't get the outcome that we have prayed for. Many times in life, we talk about God's unconditional love for us. And I know that you're thank every time I sin, I'm thankful that God loves me unconditionally. And it's so very important. But remember this. Just like we value God's unconditional love towards us, God values our unconditional love towards Him. Did you know that God wants us to love him unconditionally? I was reminded of this uh, yesterday. I thought of that verse in Matthew chapter 22. This is what came to my mind yesterday. Where these people came up to Jesus and they said, Lord, what is the greatest commandment in all the Old Testament, in all the, in all the commandments, all 613 commandments? What's the most important one of all? And Jesus said, the most important commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I looked up that word love in the Greek language. It's the word agape. It's the love that is used to describe God's unconditional love for us. 
Jesus said, here's what God values more than anything else, that you love Him unconditionally. And you wonder, how many people have stopped loving God because something in their life didn't go the way that they wish it would or the way they asked God to make it go, and the devil got in their head, and the devil said, see there, if God really loved you, if God were really good... If God were really on your side, there's no way He would have let this happen. And so sometimes we, we take the devil's bait and we think, well, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God's not really good. And yet God is in heaven and He's looking at us. And God is saying, in essence, I know what you're going through. I know how you feel. And I know from your perspective, like Paul, now you know in part. You don't see the big picture. And I'm wanting to know, even now, not only will you trust me, but even now will you love me. A lot of people have stopped loving God a lot of Christians, and they've grown bitter toward God and cold. And it's understandable how this could happen because sometimes life really hurts. But we have to remember that God wants us to love Him, an unconditional love for God that says, God, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep loving you because I know that you're good. And just because it doesn't make sense now doesn't mean that it won't make sense one day. And just because it doesn't make sense to me doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to you. And so I choose to love you. God didn't do what you asked him to do. And you're at a crossroads. Can I still trust God? You're at a crossroads. Do I really still love God? Or maybe I'm just about put out with God. Because I don't understand. You better not do that. You better make a decision to keep trusting him, to keep loving him, and then to keep obeying God. I believe that a lot of good Christian people in the process of life have prayed and asked God to do something for them, whatever it is. And for whatever reason, God chose not to answer that prayer. God didn't do it. And a lot of people have said to themselves, what's the point now? I prayed about it. I trusted God. I waited on God. Nothing happened. Didn't turn out good. And a lot of people have this rationale. A lot of Christian people can develop this rationale. What's the point in trying to do right now? I've been trying to do right all along, and it didn't work out for me. And it becomes a way of thinking that becomes a breeding ground for sin. And we just say, I don't really have any motivation to live a godly life anymore because God didn't do what I asked him to do. And so what's the point in me trying to honor God in some way? Friend, listen, it is always not only right, but it is always wise to obey the Lord in every area of our lives. And then... I would encourage you to keep serving Him. When God doesn't do what you ask Him to do, keep trusting Him. He still has a plan. Keep loving Him. He's still good. Keep obeying Him. That's always the wise thing to do. And then you keep serving Him because He is worthy of our service. You know what I really believe? Well, in fact, I know this is true. When God doesn't do what we ask Him to do, here's what the devil wants to happen. The devil wants us to stop trusting God to stop loving God, to stop obeying God, and to stop serving God. But God, while this is happening, is seated on His throne in heaven, and He's watching. And God is saying, I'm wanting to know now, will you still trust me, love me, obey me, and serve me? And that's, a, that's the question that only we can answer. I don't know how it is with you, but sometimes, not often enough, but sometimes I think to myself about that day when Jesus comes back for us. When there's a trumpet, the trumpet sounds in heaven and the skies parted and there's Jesus calling us up to be with him. And I think about that. I sometimes think, 
when will that day be? And what, what time of day will that be? And what season of the year might that be? But here lately, I've been thinking not just about that. I've been thinking this. When Jesus comes back, what is he going to find me doing? Is he going to find me doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Trusting him, loving him, obeying him, serving him? Or is Jesus going to find me doing something else? In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus told a parable. And at the end of the parable, he, he was getting at that point. What will you be doing when he comes back? Look at this verse. He said, blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Doing what? Doing what the master had told him to do. For our purposes, trusting him, loving him, obeying him, and serving him. Look at this verse in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. One of the great verses in all the New Testament. John said, and now little children, abide in him, abide in Christ. Be close to God. Why? That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. You ever think about that? Not just when will Jesus come. But when Jesus comes back, what is he going to find me doing? And will I be ashamed of what I'm doing? Or will I be thankful that I'm abiding in him, trusting him, loving him, obeying him, and serving him so that he can find me doing the right thing? You know, when we were all kids, when you're real little, maybe, I mean, just almost a baby or a little bit older than a baby, and your parents want to go out and have a date night or they just want to go do something and just to be with, them, with themselves and not the kids, your parents call a babysitter and the babysitter takes care of you when you're real little. You get a little bit older. You're not old enough to drive, but you're too old to have a babysitter. And, and so your parents say, look, we're going to be gone for about two and a half hours. We're going to go out to eat. We're going to run some errands. We're going to stop by the mall. We've got some things we need to do. And we're going to let you get, my parents, they do, this is me and Joe, we were, we were young. We're going to let you guys stay home by yourself. But listen to me. My dad would always say this. Listen to me. While we're gone, don't burn the house down right? What your dad told you, don't burn a house down. And they would always give us an assignment. Make your bed, clean the room, mow the yard, whatever other assignments they had. And then they would tell you, while we're gone, don't have any, no friends can come over here. It's just y'all. And we're going to be back in two and a half hours. And when we get back in two and a half hours, we expect everything to be just right. Yes, sir. No problem. Well, you know, when you're young, Two and a half hours seem like a day and a half, right? And so you're thinking, I got two and a half hours. I don't have to mow the yard right now. I can make my bed in an hour and a half from now. I've got two and a half hours. And I noticed through the years that if when my parents were gone, if I had not done what they told me to do, or if I had done what they told me not to do, when I would hear their car driving in that driveway, I'd be thinking, oh, man. It's two and a half hours already. They're already back. And look, I haven't done it. I didn't mow the yard. I didn't clean the room. I didn't get the sink. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything that they told me to do. And I've been doing some things they told me not to do. And what was I? I was ashamed at their appearing. But there were other times when I would hear that car turn in that driveway and hear them pull in the garage there. And I would say to myself, the yard is mowed, the bed is made, the room is clean, the sink, it's all cleaned out. Every, I did everything they wanted me to do. And you know, on those days, I thought they can't walk in this house fast enough because when they see the beauty of this house, they're going to brag on me for a long time. One of these days, either in our death, or at the rapture, Jesus Christ 
is coming for us. And the question is, when he comes back, what's he going to find us doing? John said, and now, children, abide in him. Trust him. Keep trusting him. Keep loving him. Keep obeying him. Keep serving him. So that when Christ appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. Amen? With our head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe today this sermon was just for you because of the practicality of it, the relatability of it. We can all identify with this. We have asked God to do things. Sometimes He doesn't do it. And so what are we going to do in a time like that? Maybe today that's where you are. Would you just say to God, God, I'm kind of at a crossroads, really. My life could go one way or the other. It could go the right way or the wrong way. God, I could go completely off the tracks. If I'm not careful here. And so, God, I'm, I'm recommitting today. You, got, you have to mean this in your heart. It takes faith sometimes to say it, but you can't just say it if you don't believe it. Say, God, in my heart, I am recommitting myself today to keep trusting you. Because I know you have a plan. One day it'll be clear. It's not clear now, but one day it'll be clear. God, to keep loving you. Because, God, even though it doesn't seem like it, I know you're still good. God, I'm, I'm recommitting myself to keep obeying you, even when it would be easier to compromise and, and do the wrong thing. And, God, today I'm making a fresh commitment to keep serving you as best I can until that day when I see you face to face. Now, Christian friend, as you're praying that, would you just say this to God? Say, Lord, whenever that day comes and you appear for me, to me, and for me, God, help me to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing and help me not to be doing what I'm not supposed to be doing because I don't want to be ashamed to see you face to face. Christians all over the room praying that. Others here today, you say, John, this whole thing about what's going to happen to me when I die or the rapture of the church, and you're thinking today, well, John, I don't know that I'm ready for the rapture of the church. I don't know. I might be left behind. John, if it was my death, I don't have 100% certainty that when I step out into eternity that I'm going to heaven to be with God. I don't know that. I don't know what's going to happen to me when this life ends. Friend, God sent you to this service today so you could know, so you could get that settled, so you could make peace with God. And you do that by repenting of your sins, turning from your sins, confessing your sins, asking Jesus to forgive you, and trusting Jesus to do it. And you do all that through prayer. And like I say, many have done that in recent weeks. And today, there's no doubt in my mind, there are people in this service who today need to make peace with God. The first thing we have to do so that we won't be ashamed when Christ appears, we have to make absolutely certain that we're saved. Would you like to have 100% assurance that you are going to heaven when you die? You can. Won't you pray with me now? Just say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Please make me the person you created me to be. 
In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. If you are a new believer in Jesus, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your friends and family about how Jesus has changed your life. We have a booklet titled, How to Be a Happy Christian, that will help you in your new faith journey. You can find it and others under the booklets tab on our website at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.